Hey everybody. Uh, I love getting letters. I don't get them that often, but when I do, man, I love it. And it, it seems like there's been this resurgence of letter writing since the pandemic started. And this has given me a little bit of an insight into the Christian scriptures because, you know, like Galatians, Romans, Ephesians, Corinthians, Thessalonians, I mean, these are all, um, they're not generic spiritual books. They're not like a theological essay. Uh, they're not books at all, actually. Um, rather, these are deeply personal letters, and they're written to specific people on specific occasions for specific purposes. So to understand these letters, uh, we got to know the story behind the letter. So today, I want to tell you about one of my favorites, the letter to the Philippian church. And first, you need to know that the Apostle Paul has had a radical transformation in his life. Previously, Paul had made it his purpose in life to hunt down followers of Jesus and to have them in prison and even put to death. And this is not because, like, Paul hated God. No, I mean, this was actually because Paul thought he was really doing the right thing. He thought that this whole uh, Jesus thing was a dangerous cult and that was blaspheming God. But after encountering the presence of the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus, everything in Paul's life changed. Now his purpose in life is to mentor followers of Jesus. I mean, he's not imprisoning followers of Jesus. He's actually in prison for following Jesus. I mean, the transformation in his life could not be more dramatic. So Paul finds himself in prison again. And prisons in the ancient world, they are not like prisons today. Um, so like there are no provisions, right? If you want something to eat, your family and your friends, they got to bring you food. Um, if you want like care for wounds, your family and friends got to bring you medicine and bandages. If you want like Clothes, change of clothes, warm blanket. Like if you want anything, like your friends and family, that's all you got. But here's the problem for Paul. All of his old friends and his family, they're no longer with Paul because of this transformation in his life. So in his isolation, Paul is asking, who's going to stand by me when I'm all alone? Who's going to help me when I really need help? Essentially, he's asking, who are my real friends? <laughs> and aren't these the types of questions that we're asking ourselves right now um, as we're quarantined for months on end and all of our friendships of convenience have evaporated? I mean, a lot of us are making decisions right now about who's in my pod and who are the friends that I can't live without? Like Paul, I think we're asking, you know, like, who are my real friends? Now, for Paul, I mean, he knows who his real friends are. It's the church in Philippi. Because it wasn't the church in Thessalonica who helped him out. You know, it wasn't the church in Galatia who helped him out. No, it was his the Philippian church who, when Paul was starving in prison, they gathered up resources they sent one of their own. They sent a guy named Epaphroditus 
to bring Paul food and medicine and money. And back then, traveling, um, traveling could be pretty treacherous. And Paphroditus, while helping out Paul, gets deathly sick. And everyone's pretty concerned that Epaphroditus is going to die. So Paul writes a letter from prison. This is a prison letter. And he wants to reassure his friends that Epaphroditus, he's okay. Uh, he's, he's getting better. And he's actually on his way home now. Paul wants to tell the Philippians how grateful he is to have them as his friends. And to Paul, their friendship, it's an embodiment. It's, it's an incarnation of what Paul calls friendship in Christ. Because Jesus's life and death, for Paul, it shows the very friendship of God. That God would not exploit the power and privilege of being God, but was poured out into humanity poured out in service, poured out even to death on a cross. Jesus shows us what a true friend God is. It's not a friendship that uses others for one's own self-interest. It's a friendship that's marked by serving, by putting another's needs in front of your own. So when Paul sees Epaphroditus, you know, risking his own life for Paul, putting his needs in front of his own. I mean, Paul recognizes that as the gospel of Jesus lived out through friendship. I mean, isn't that true for you too? Like whenever we experience the gospel, it's never in a hypothetical way. The gospel is always experienced in a deeply personal way through relationship, in the grit and the grace of real life friendships in connecting with and serving one another. And that is where the life of God is found. So if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to take stock of your friendships. For Paul, there's three kinds of friends that are essential for one's spiritual growth. Three kinds. The first one is to have someone shoulder to shoulder with you, you know, like Epaphroditus a partner on the journey. So who are your friends? Who are your peers? Who are your friends that you know you could call if you were stranded in the rain, who would help you change a flat tire, who'd put their neck on the line for you? If you want, you can give a shout out to them in the comments below. Tell us, I wanna hear. Who are your Epaphrodituses? <laughs> That's the first kind. But we also see mentoring relationships. We see, you know, Paul and Timothy, um, these types of mentoring relationships that are vital to spiritual formation. I mean, the Celts, they used to call this anamkara, or soul friends. Friendships that were intentionally designed to grow your soul. Uh, Rachel and I have been developing a year-long mentorship program for our youth at Saul House, and I am so excited to announce that this week, this week, we start our first cohort of five Anamkara mentees matched up with five Anamkara mentors that are pairs from our community to make an intentional connection for faith formation this year. 
Can you imagine how impactful these relationships are going to be? It is awesome. Way to go, Rachel. And what about you? Who are your mentors? We need them at every age. They're not just for young people. Uh, I've got one. My mentor's name is Bill. So shout out to Bill. Thank you, brother. Who do you have who's down the road a little bit from you and is committed to investing care and wisdom into you? Give that person a shout out in the comments below. I want to see who are your mentors. What a unique relationship that is today. I mean, that is rare and wonderful. Tell us about it. And then on the flip side, who are you mentoring? Who are you investing in? Uh, might be down, you might be down the road a little ways from a mentee. You're able to be a good listener to them. Give encouragement. Tell them where you see Christ alive in them. So give a shout out to your mentee in the comments too. These are three friendships that are so essential to spiritual growth. Do you have them? Do you have them in your life? Maybe you're seeing some holes that need to be filled right now. Maybe that's part of your prayer today. That God, would you bring me an Epaphroditus? You know, God, would you bring me a mentor? God, would you bring me a mentee? I need a soul friend right now. I need an Anamkara right now. You know, we don't only see this wisdom in Paul and in the Jesus story, but we also see this wisdom in the mental health community, what they're saying to us right now. Um, I asked just recently the therapists and the counselors of our community, I asked them, I said, oh my gosh, how are we going to make it through this nationwide surge of depression and anxiety? And in one way or another, they all said kind of the same thing by connecting and by serving, by connecting and by serving. Because if we're going to make it through this, people, we've got to focus on strengthening important relationships. We've got to find ways to connect right now. We've got to find ways also to help others and get outside ourselves, even when we feel depleted. <laughs> Man, that's, that is what our mental health professionals are saying too. And I heard that and I was like, what? Connecting and serving? That is Salt House's jam. That is our wheelhouse. That is what we do, right? So, all right. So check this out, Salt House. We have put together an awesome fall with really life-giving and meaningful ways to both connect and to serve. And this has been very intentional. Uh, your staff has been working super hard on this, and it's something I am really proud to share with you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about connecting, and Pastor Sarah is going to tell you about serving. Some of this is still in process, but okay, check this out. This is kind of the teaser. We've got some groups that are both in person and in Zoom for you. And the first one I want to tell you about is that Risa is offering a mindful self-compassion group on Zoom. Sundays for eight weeks, it's going to start October 11th. And this is an incredible opportunity um, that's going to help you build skills and practice meditation exercises that develop mindful self-compassion and resilience and lower anxiety. Oh my gosh, this is what we need right now, Risa. Thank you so much. It's all research-based. Risa's amazing. If you haven't met her yet, she is amazing. And this is what she does. She's a certified teacher in this. So Sundays, uh, 4 to 5.30 on Zoom. Definitely sign up for this one right away since there will be limited number of spots for this. Also, we are rebooting the men's group 
this fall on Saturday mornings. Um, so like Bonnie, my spouse, <clears throat> she was like to me the other day, uh, honey, you seem really grumpy. Can you get out of the house and go hang out with some guys or something? <laughs> so guys, maybe this is you too. Uh, we're going to gather on Saturday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. at the fire pit behind Salt House. You might be saying to yourself, wait a second, there is no fire pit behind Salt House. Exactly. So today, Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m., we're going to build one and create a gathering space out there, uh, not just for us, but for you know everybody else in our community to be able to gather in a space behind Salt House. So come out and meet us today for that. And this is just a teaser for all that you're going to see on the groups page that you can click in the, the link below and check it out. Um, you know, for instance, like if you're a parent, you're feeling the joys and stresses of kids at home right now. Rachel has a midweek wind down Zoom group for you. Uh, Pastor Sarah is gathering the women of the community for a series on Lectio Divina that's going to be amazing. And Jason and Sarah are also hosting an outpost in Woodenville. That, this one's going to be super fun. It's you bring your takeout and you eat together. I love this idea. Oh my gosh, I've missed eating with you all. So don't these offerings for connection sound great? I mean, let's be honest. Like we need to connect right now. There's so much out there that alienates us and isolates us, but we need to know others. We need to be known by others. This is where all, this is where spiritual transformation happens and our hearts are longing for it. We're all feeling it. This is what we need right now. Ways to connect and ways to serve. So Pastor Sarah is going to tell us about a few ways that you can serve and get involved and volunteer. Hello, friends, and thank you, Pastor Ryan. Friends, did you know that when COVID hit in March and we, Salt House, moved everything that we do to being physically distanced because we know this is how we love our neighbor, right? By staying home and by wearing masks when we do have to go out. But when we did that in March, when that began, our volunteer force here at Salt House, all the ways that people serve, went down to almost zero. There are a few very notable exceptions of folks who have been serving in amazing ways throughout this time, but for the most part, our staff has been doing like all the things. And now we're six months in, and we know this is for the long term, right? We need you. We need the participation of every one of us adding to what happens here at Salt House because we are better when you are here. And we know you are better when you are here too, right? When you have a chance to show up and use your gifts and time and serve beyond yourself, everybody is better when that happens. It's what mental health experts are naming for us, how we need each other. Doc Dr. Ann Mastin, she's a psychologist and a professor of child development. She says that in the midst of this pandemic, especially as we hit this six-month mark, we need to focus on maintaining and strengthening important relationships. That's why we've laid out a wide variety of small groups this fall, whether on Zoom and safely, uh, safely very much apart, or together and distanced in safe ways. My friends, we've done this because we need this. So keep checking that group's page on our website, Choose Your Group for the Fall. So then alongside that, mental health experts are naming how we need opportunities to serve. We also need to be able to serve beyond ourselves. 
Mastin says the biggest, the biggest proactive and protective factors for facing adversity and building resilience are social support and remaining connected to people. So facing adversity, the, like the most, the biggest protective factors are social support and remaining connected to people. And she says that includes helping others, even when we're feeling depleted ourselves. She says helping others is one of those win-win strategies for taking action because we're all feeling a sense of helplessness and a loss of control about what's going on with this pandemic. But when you take action with others, with other people, you can control what you're doing, she says. So holding all of this, we've strategically curated and are now launching a new to simple way for how we engage in service and volunteering here at Salt House in this time of COVID. Just like we're all working and doing school from home, I like to call it volunteering from home or serving from home. And here's what it looks like. We've streamlined the opportunities to help and serve by focusing on just four primary areas that we find most critical for this time of COVID. So we're calling them our teams. In each of these four areas, we are building teams of people. Joining a team does not mean that you have to attend any meetings. It simply means that you care about what happens in this area and you want to be on the front lines of knowing how you can help. So you will join an email list where we'll share opportunities that are project-based. And you can opt out of any projects or opt into any projects that you want to and are able to do and that you want to help. Otherwise, you just don't if it doesn't work for you. You'll get regular updates on the current top three priorities for that given team. We're hoping as many of our community will join each of the teams as possible. You can join more than one. You can join all of them. So the four priorities we've chosen for this time of being physically distant, our four teams are the shelter team, the kids team, the care team, and the welcome team. In these unique times, supplementing our group's opportunities, right, for growth, we see these four areas as most vital for serving and really nurturing in this time of pandemic. So here's just a quick kind of focus mission statement for each of these four teams. So for the shelter team, engaging homelessness in relationship with our neighbors at Kirkland Place. For the kids team, making ministry with kids and families possible and awesome. For the care team, walking alongside those facing hard times with care and support in COVID appropriate ways. And for the welcome team, curating a hospitable online environment and extending Jesus's radical welcome by connecting with newer folks online and beyond. So we see these teams as one way for us to live our love as a verb, right? Because love is a verb. To actively choose to put our love into action in ways that impact the lives of our Salt House community and beyond. So signups for our teams are available on our website, so be sure to check those out. And you may remember that we have already launched one of these teams. Raise your hand if you were already signed up to be a part of the shelter team, right? Already this team, the shelter team, has rallied to bring school supplies for New Bethlehem Place. So thank you, thank you to all of you. 
anyone can still uh, join the shelter team. We'll be highlighting the rest of our three teams, one a Sunday for the next few weeks. So each week you'll hear more about these teams on Sunday mornings uh, with the invitation to then sign up for that team. But we want you to know that all four exist and are available so that you can make an informed decision as you do sign up. So this Sunday we're focusing a little bit more on the kids team. So Rachel Horton is the leader of this team. She serves on our staff as our phenomenal kids and families team leader. And I've seen, I'll tell you, a lot of Zoom calls with kids these days, and no one leads them better than Rachel. She is such a gift for our kids, even and especially in these times. So here is Rachel inviting you onto our kids team. Hi, Salt House family. I wanted to take a moment and invite you to come join the Salt House Kids team. Uh, this would work the same as the shelter team. You'd be put on an email list and as needs arose, you would get the email and be invited to volunteer in just a variety of ways. Uh, in particular, I wanted to highlight three priorities that I have right now that will help make running this program possible. Uh, the first priority is to get more safe haven trained volunteers in the Zoom rooms on Sundays. <laughs> it is very lightweight right now. It's a really easy thing to do. You just genuinely have to be present and watch the kids as they learn about God. Uh, and you don't even have to miss service for it because one uh, session takes place before and one takes place right after service on Sundays. So that's the first priority. The second priority is to get volunteers to help me run those one-time events that come up. Uh, the next one coming up is our pumpkin painting party that we do every year with the community in the shelter. Uh, and after that, it'll be like the nativity or the Christmas thing we do and the Easter egg hunt and just all of those one-time events that come up. And then the third priority is that since everybody is at home, I've been putting together kind of craft kits for the kids to be able to pick up and have something to do at home uh, along with Sunday school. And I could really use some help with designing those and collecting the materials and getting them all together for the kids to pick up. So those are the three priorities that I want to focus on this fall, and I could really use your help. I hope you will consider signing up. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. I do think that any, anyone who has kids should consider joining the kids team, as well as anyone who wants to help become that safety net, that tribe, that village, that our young people need in order for ministry with kids to be possible and awesome here at Salt House. So thank you for considering being a part of the front lines for our kids and families by joining the kids team. Okay, so friends, as we close, all of this, I wonder, even before you heard all of this, how are you doing? Really, how are your friendships, your relationships, your anamkara? For me, I'll be honest, man, these are lonely times. I, uh, yeah, anyone with me? Yeah. I feel lonely. I feel angry. I feel fearful. So for me, as I look at these opportunities for small groups and teams, like I feel kind of two really strong initial, initial things. First is initial resistance, right? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That kind of, oh, but signing up for a group or like choosing to serve, man, I don't know if I have time for that right now. Things are pretty crazy. And honestly, that sounds really vulnerable right now. And I don't know if I have that in me right now. Anyone feeling their own resistance? Yeah. But the second thing that I really feel is the overwhelming need 
to intentionally do something to be drawn out of myself and into relationship and to serve beyond myself and make time for it because I know that I need it. I feel both of those things. And how about you? Do you have your own resistance? Do you also feel that deep nudge of God in your spirit about how there is something to say yes to here that maybe you need to say yes to? So we're going to sing a song now just to close out this time, and I offer it as our prayer for how we are doing right now. It is a prayer for this fall season as well. It's called Island. It's by Audrey Asad. And the chorus is simply, you be home to me, I will be home to you, no one is an island. You be home to me, I will be home to you, no one is an island. My goodness, do we have times of feeling island-like in our isolation right now, which is why we are embracing these groups and these teams as a way to live out the Jesus story that calls us to be home to each other. And as the song says too, it says, love is a shelter. We're better together. We are better together. Finding the ways to be God's people together, even when we are physically apart. This is the work that we do. This is how God will meet us in the weeks to come. This is the life that we share together. So friends, I will see you in these groups. And I will see you on these teams and on Sunday mornings as we continue to more fully become who we are in this fall season as salt and light for our world. Amen? Amen.